2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. That's as far as we're going to get tonight, and we might not even get that far. So let's take some time to kind of recap. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been together. Now, I want you to remember, Paul begins this section by stating what he's going to be talking about. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. Now, we've already seen in our study of 1 Thessalonians that Paul had clearly taught them that the church would be raptured prior to the time of the judgment called the day of the Lord. Go back to 1 Thessalonians real quick. Turn back a couple of pages to 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9 and 10. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Chapter 4, as you remember, in verses uh, 13 through 18, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up, un, uh, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Now listen to verse 18. It's going to be important in just a little bit. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Keep that in mind. Encourage one another with these words. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, look at verses 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you're all children of the light and children of the day. We're not of the night or the darkness, so let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we might live with Him." Therefore, listen again, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So Paul had already clearly taught that the church is going to be removed prior to the time of judgment that's coming on the world called the day of the Lord. But now, Paul, it's obvious that there's been someone, uh, some people that have been saying that the day of the Lord's already beginning and that they were in the day of the Lord. 
And there's even a letter, possible, a letter with a possible name of Paul written on it, saying that it was from Paul to that effect, that the day of the Lord had even come. And if you remember from our study of 1 Thessalonians and also beginning of 2 Thessalonians, these Christians in Thessalonica were going through severe suffering because of their faith. Remember how Paul had been chased out of one town into the next and out of the next town into the next. And when he went to Thessalonica, the people went and chased him out of there. And then he went on to other places and the people in Thessalonica chased him there. And the people that were staying in Thessalonica actually were having to undergo severe persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And because it was so hard and because people were losing their lives and because people were losing their possessions and their jobs, there were false teachers that were coming in and saying, we're in that time period called the day of the Lord. It's a time of judgment that's happening on the world. Now, folks, all through history, you've known there have been people, there's even people nowadays saying, back when COVID happened, are we in the tribulation? And if you look at history, when you think about Jesus in Matthew 24, talking about how there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and all this stuff, I can guarantee you back when World War I started happening, people were convinced this is the time of the end. And World War II and so on. But as we've already looked at, if you remember, Jesus in Matthew 24 talked about this is the beginning of the birth pains. And I've showed you how from Scripture, there's a time period still coming and it's going to be so severe, there won't be anybody asking, are we in the tribulation period? Are we in the day of the Lord? It will be clear when that day comes and it'll come like a thief in the night and it'll be a time of judgment. And Paul is trying to encourage them to say, look... Let me talk to you again concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered together to him. He says, don't be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. And then he goes on. And if we have time, we'll get that far tonight. He starts laying out some of the things that are going to be happening in the day of the Lord, which obviously hadn't happened. So we're not in the day of the Lord kind of a deal. But Jump over to 2 Thessalonians 1. Look at verses 3 and 4. It says, We always ought, ought always to thank, give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. And I'm not going to take you back to 1 Thessalonians. We've already studied it in chapter 1, verse 6, he talked about it. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he talked about it. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, he had talked about all the persecutions and suffering they were going through. Paul understood they were having it rough. But he says, as bad as it is, it's not the day of the Lord yet. So what I'm going to do right now, and you're going to probably want to write these down, because some of you might not be able to track with me as fast as I'm going to do this. But I'm going to try not to do it too fast either because I want these words to sink in. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 2. I'm going to take you back. A careful study of Scripture will show that the coming day of the Lord is much more severe and will affect the whole world. Not pockets of it. Isaiah chapter 2, we'll get verses 12 through 21. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low, against all the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up, and against all the oaks of Bashan, 
against all the lofty mountains and against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower and against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish and against all the beautiful craft. And the haughtiness of man shall be humbled and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And the idols shall utterly pass away and people shall enter the caves of the rocks and of the holes in the ground from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. In that day, mankind will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. Then he goes on and says, stop regarding man and who's breath, the nostrils is breath, for what account is he? Let me ask you a question. Has the w wickedness and the, 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 the horrific time that we're going through in this world caused the world to all of a sudden realize, oh, dip, there's a God and we're not it and we're going to turn from our idols? No. Things are bad. I'm not going to acknowledge that they're not. At the same time, the Bible says they're going to get worse, but we're not in the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is going to affect the whole earth at the same time. It's going to be a time of purifying Jacob, the nation of Israel, and at the same time judging the nations. But we haven't even begun to look at what the scripture says. But we see here they're going to hide in the rocks and the caves. Does that remind anybody of our study of Revelation? How during this, this, that one seal they call out to the rocks and the caves, hide them from the wrath of the Lamb? Go to Isaiah 13. When the world is saying peace and security, that's when it's going to happen. Isaiah 13, verses 6 through 13. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. As destruction from the Almighty, it will come. Therefore, all hands will be feeble and every human heart will melt. They will be dismayed. Pangs and agony will seize them. They'll be in anguish like a woman in labor. They will look aghast at one another. Their faces will be aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I'll put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. I will make people more rare than fine gold and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken out of its place at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. Has this happened yet? No, we're not in the day of the Lord yet. Go to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness there is spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful people. Their like has never been before nor will be again after them through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses. 
and like war horses they run, as with the rumblings of chariots they leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them peoples are in anguish, all faces grow pale. Like warriors they charge, like soldiers they scale the wall. They march each on his way, they do not swerve from their paths, they do not jostle one another, each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city, they run upon the walls, they climb up into the houses, they enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? As we were reading that, did that bring into mind anybody, Book of Revelation, and how the key to the bottomless pit was opened, and the smoke from the pit came out, and the army of 200 million demons came out and began to attack the earth? Just like we're reading here. Folks, we're not in the day of the Lord yet. It hasn't come. Go to chapter 2, look at verses 30 through 32. And I'll show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. And among the survivors shall be called those whom the Lord calls. There's a difference. There's a, the day of the Lord is a time period we know from our study of Scripture is the seven years left of Daniel's prophecy from Daniel 9, 20 through 27. We also know it as the time of Jacob's trouble or the tribulation period. But there's the great and awesome day of the Lord, which is the very end of it. And before the very end of it, the sun's going to go dark. The moon's going to turn to blood. The stars are going to fall from the sky. There's going to be an earthquake on the earth. That is so, well, we've already read earlier how the earth's going to be shaken out of its place. It's going to level every mountain. Every island's going to disappear. The whole topography of the globe is going to be changed. Are we in the day of the Lord? No. It's coming, though. And let me ask you a quick question. As you read this, and we're not even close to done, as you read this, do you hear anything here that you can encourage somebody with? We encourage each other with the fact that we won't be here when this is going to happen. He's not destined us for this time period. And encourage you with that. And I, can, I can't encourage you that this is going to happen to you if you're going to be a believer. If This doesn't sound like encouraging words for believers, does it? No, but I can encourage you the fact that you won't be going through it if you know Jesus. There's going to be a time coming on the earth. Go to Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5, look at verses 18 through 20. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or he went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. It's not, is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? And gloom with no brightness in it? Go to Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 1. Look at verses 7 through 18. <clears throat> Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated His guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons. 
and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At that time, I'll search Jerusalem with lamps and I'll punish the men who are complacent. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not, will not do good, nor will he do ill. The goods, the goods, their goods shall be plundered and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I'll bring distress on mankind so they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord and the fire of his jealousy. All the earth shall be consumed for a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Hey guys, this is coming. Let me encourage you with this. That's not what we're to be doing. We're to be encouraging each other with what? He, we're not going to be here. He's going to come and take us. Now concerning the coming of the Lord and our being gathered together to him. Don't fall prey to those people who are saying we're in the tribulation period. We're in the birth pains. No, we're not. But Jim, earthquakes have been increasing. Actually, they've been increasing for 2,000 years. What kind of birth pains are those? Braxton Hicks, fake birth pains. No, the time period called the time of the birth pains is a time of a woman in labor, as we saw in Isaiah 13, as we saw in 1 Thessalonians 5, like a woman in labor. The Bible talks about how in Micah chapter 5, verse 3 and following, Jesus is going to give up the nation of Israel until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. During this horrible time period that's coming on the earth, the tribulation period, God is going to be doing a work to save the remnant of Israel, judge the nations, and bring an end to what we know of as time as, as it is now. And Jesus will come back to the earth and set up his kingdom. But prior to that, and Paul had been teaching them this, that he is going to come and gather his church and finish what he started with the nation of Israel. Israel's been put on hold for a season until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. But then he's going to finish what he started, fulfill all the promises for the nation of Israel. Folks, the church is a wonderful thing, and God has blessed us in this time period to live in this age. But we're to be used of God to make Israel jealous. It's not about us and how God's done with Israel. I have talked to too many people on this trip to France even, where their belief that there's no millennial kingdom. And I actually sat with a pastor who was trying to convince me that, that there is no coming kingdom on the earth and the Israelites are done and the church is the new Israel. And that's not what the Bible teaches. But I can encourage you with this. You haven't been destined for wrath. We're to be looking for Jesus. Go to Malachi chapter 4. Look at verses 1 through 6. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. 
The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. God's telling the nation of Israel, I'm going to send Elijah to you before that great and awesome day comes. He had already in the first time sent the prophet Elijah, but actually it was John the Baptist in the spirit and the power of Elijah. But the Bible also says, Jesus himself said when his disciples asked him, why do, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah's going to come? And Jesus said, Elijah has come and he will come. And that's when they realized he was talking about John the Baptist. If you go back and read Matthew 17, you'll see that. Luke chapter 9, the same thing. But he says here that the Jews who believe during that time period who are going to be re redeemed are going to go out and re release, or be released and jump like calves released from a stall, and they're going to experience the freedom of salvation, but they've got to go through a horrible time period first. And as bad as Israel's having it right now with all the world turning against them, and the Bible says it's going to continue to escalate, they're going to be actually chased from the land another time. If we believe the Bible to be true, and I do, when the Antichrist steps into the wing of the temple and declares himself to be God, the man of lawlessness that we looked at earlier tonight, just in the reading, we may have time to get to the study of him a little bit tonight. But when he comes on the scene and makes the peace treaty with the nation of Israel and all the nations, by the way, they're going to think peace and security has come. When this Antichrist comes and is able to make a peace treaty and a covenant with all the many and Israel, when, peace, when everyone's saying peace and security, sudden destruction will come upon them. At the same time, though, as you've already heard, at the midpoint of the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to step into the wing of the temple. And that's why in Matthew 24, Jesus said to them, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, don't even go back into your house to get your coat. You better run to the Israelites. You better run, run to the wilderness. And as we know from our study of Revelation, he's going to protect them for three and a half years. Those who listen to Jesus' words and run for their lives, he's going to protect them in the wilderness, in the area of Moab and Edom and Basra. <clears throat> and they're going to turn and look to him whom they pierced, and they're going to be saved, the Jews that believe. And that's why he says to them in Matthew 24, and he who stands firm to the end will be saved. We're not saved by standing firm to the end, but the Jews that make it to the end will all be saved, every one of them, the book of Jeremiah tells us as well. So as I've been reading to you about the prophecies about the coming day of the Lord, as I wrote in my notes, by the way, this doesn't sound like comfort one another with these words, material. But why is Paul saying to comfort one another with these words? Because he's reminding them, we in the church are not destined for this. He's got a purpose for the church, and we need to be being used of him to fulfill that purpose. But the purpose of the church is going to come to an end, and he's going to finish what he started with the nation of Israel. Go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Titus 2, verse 13. It says, Waiting 
for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you notice in the New Testament writings, Paul never talked to the church about looking for the Antichrist? He actually says, look for who? Jesus, waiting for his son from heaven. Jesus himself in John 14 told them, he said, look, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house there are many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and take you to be with me where I am. We're going to become and gathered to him. Oh, there's a coming of the Lord to the earth. But he's also prior to that going to come and gather his bride. And then he'll finish what he's prophesied in all these verses that are coming in the day of the Lord. Don't fall prey to those people that say we're in the day of the Lord now. Or those who say there isn't going to be any kind of a day of the Lord. Oh, there is going to be a time of judgment on the whole world. But Paul says in verse 2, go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul says in verse 2 that they weren't to be shaken in mind or alarmed. Another word could be troubled when they heard these sensational announcements. I just quoted this to you, but in John 14, again, listen to what Jesus said. Do not let your hearts be, what? Troubled. I got I to chase this rabbit for a little bit here. And I'm going to say this to you through the Spirit of God and in no sense of legalism. Stop watching the news as much as you watch it. I, I, I go to too many Christians' homes where the TV's on and the news media is just playing what's going on in the globe over and over and over. And I watch Christians get more belly aching and worried and, and I hear everybody saying, we've got to do something, we've got to do something. I'm going to say a couple of things that might not be happy for some of you. Definitely, that's great news. God's in control. But let me say this to you. If God has decided that it's a time for judgment for the United States of America... It's a time of judgment for the United States of America. It doesn't matter how many Christians decide we got to do something. If it's a time that God has decreed that judgment has come, judgment's come. What should we be doing? We should be praying for mercy. We should be praying for God to spare us. Yet at the same time with the attitude that says, Lord, but you're right in what you do. And if you have to bring judgment here, do it with mercy. But you're right, and you're God. I mean, look at Romans 1. He talks about, although they knew God, they didn't worship Him as God, and they started worshiping created beings and man and animal and birds. And then it says after that that He gave them over to shameful lust. Men with men, women with women. Listen closely. Then it goes on and it says, and then He gave them over to a depraved mind. Heard a preacher recently say this. He said, when a guy thinks he's a girl, that's a depraved mind. Listen, that's the judgment of God in Romans 1. The wrath of God is being poured out on wickedness of mankind. And when a nation is given over, their Supreme Court's going to say that men can marry men and women can marry women. And a depraved, we're in the judgment of God right now. Again, I, I don't want to see... This happened to my nation that I love and I was born in. Yet at the same time, if I'm going to be faithful to the word of God, I have to understand that God's God and we're not. But here's the good news. 
Every time in Scripture when you see that God brought judgment on a nation because of their sin, He took care of those who were His. You look at the prophets when God was bringing the judgment from Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar into Israel. He took care of those who were His. He provided for them. And in the same way, God will take care of us. People say, you Christians that think the rapture is going to happen. You're just escapists. You don't think we're going to go through any trouble. No, no. The Bible says in this world there will be trouble. But it's not the tribulation period. It's not the day of the Lord. We just read some of the passages. There's more. We just read the day of the Lord. Folks, the day of the Lord is what we see in the opening of the seals in Revelation chapter 6. It's when God begins to finish what he promised he would do and all the prophecies begin to be fulfilled and the whole world is going to be affected at the same time. Are there parts of the globe that are having it really rough right now? Definitely. But at the same time, is the whole world being affected? No. Just watch Super Bowl commercials. Everybody seems to be fat and happy. Go to Matthew 24. Look at verse 6. At the beginning of the birth pains even, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. The beginning of the birth pains, at the beginning of the tribulation period, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nations against nation, but there's going to come on the scene this false Christ. This man of lawlessness, and he's going to calm everybody down, and everybody's going to think, oh, okay, good. Is the world not right now trying to move toward a one-world government? Because they think that's going to solve the problems. I mean, if we can get one-world government and everybody under the control of the one-world government, then we won't have nations fighting against nations anymore. We won't have all these other issues. And you know what? Good luck with that. But it's going to happen because the Bible said it will. Does that mean we just lay back and just let it happen? No. We still pray. We still say, God, in your time and in your season, yet at the same time, I never want to move to the point where I think I can stop what you have said is going to happen. There are times that God even told his prophets, don't pray for these people. I've already decided the judgment's come. But Jim, if my people who are called by my name, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, will humble themselves and pray, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And we, all we got to do is just pray. Listen to the context. Not if a few Christians pray. Because in Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 14 and following, he says, if it doesn't matter if Noah, Daniel, and Job are in that nation, if I've decided a judgment's coming on a nation, it doesn't matter if Noah, Daniel, and Job are in that nation, the judgment's still going to come. They'll be spared. Because of their righteousness. But that when the judgment's coming, the judgment's coming. So, I'm going to say this again. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be alarmed. As Warren has already said, God's in control. There's a wonderful passage. It's in Matthew 26. It's also in Mark 14. Where the Pharisees are getting together and they're planning behind the scenes in the dark. And this is what they say. We're going to kill Jesus. But we're not going to do it during the Passover. 
lest there be an uproar. At the same time, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he says, we're going to Jerusalem for the Passover, and they're going to kill me. But three days later, I'll rise. Listen to this. Wicked men, planning behind the scenes, dastardly deeds, but they said, we're not going to do it during the Passover. Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem because of the Father's plan, and they're going to kill me during the Passover. Who was right? Jesus. I love this. Not only was he crucified during the Passover, it all was fulfilled to the very day, to the very moment, the fulfillment of the Passover lamb and all that. And I love this part. Would you not agree that there are some wicked men planning behind the scenes, in their little secret conclaves, dastardly deeds for the world. Without question. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. Yes! But it's only going to happen as God has planned. He's in control of it. But when we look at all these wicked people and bad politicians and all this stuff, and I don't even know what Illuminati means half the time. It's thrown around so much. But all these people that are doing all this stuff, And we start to fear or to be shaken in mind or to think that God's not in control, that's sin. Because anything not done by faith is sin. Trust God. He's got a plan. He'll take care of you. He'll walk you through it. And the good news is, whether you die before the time or you're alive at the time that he comes to gather his church, you're going to get to be a part of the rapture. Because if you're here on the earth when he comes to get us, you'll go meet the Lord in the air. If you've already gone to be with the Lord prior to that, you're coming with Jesus when he comes in the air to gather us. I think we're going to be all right. Will it be bumpy between now and then? Sure. But that's part of living in this world. But you know what? We're not living for this world. We're living for the one to come. I look around this room. I talk to the people that I wish I could see through this camera to where you are in your living room. But then again, some of you might not be wearing enough clothes, so maybe I'll just leave it at that. But let me just say this. We're weird people. Think about what's going on right now. Look around the room at the rest of the peculiar folks in this place, the, the aliens in here. Here it is, a Tuesday night where you guys could be doing A whole lot of other stuff, and you're taking time every week out of your schedule to come here and to study the Word of God and to see other weirdos. And what an encouragement we are to each other to see that, I mean, look at John, for example. I mean, you look at that, and he makes the best cookies. But let me just say this to you. The world doesn't understand this. doesn't make sense. But we're not living for him. We're living for the world to come. Don't be shaken in mind or troubled. Keep a positive mental attitude. And like I've shared with you before, there are days I'm stronger in faith than others, and that's why we need each other. When we hear, quote-unquote, predictions that seem to match up with what's going on in the world, we must test them against the Scriptures, not experience it. Because there's a lot of people that can say, look what just happened, that's a definite... No, Let's check it against the whole of Scripture. Yeah, there was a a big earthquake. But did it affect the whole globe? Well, no, but it was a big one. That's got to be this. I've heard preachers say, oh, there's satellites. That's the signs in the stars. 
Now, don't try to make the scripture say the stuff that it hadn't said. The signs and the stars are the fact that the sun's going to go dark and the moon's going to turn to blood and the stars are going to fall from the sky. The sky's going to roll up like a scroll. That hadn't happened. But we want it to happen now so much we keep trying to make things that are happening now be it. And listen, 2,000 years ago, that's what Paul was dealing with. People were trying to take what was happening in their world and try to make it fit the scriptures and say, we're in it. That's why you need to know the whole scripture. Remember, go back to 1 Thessalonians 5. We talked about this at the end of our study of 1 Thessalonians. Look at verses 20 through 22. 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 through 22. He says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. When someone makes a prediction and say, this is it. Remember years ago how the blood moons and the solar eclipse all were going to happen. And they happened all on feast days. And people were convinced. A lot of people made a lot of money writing books. But it didn't really match up with what the whole of Scripture says. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verses 13 through 16. It says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I love how when Paul, and you could look at it later on in Acts 20, verses 29 and following, he says to the Ephesian elders, he said, I know that after I leave, false disciples are going to, false prophets are going to come in. They're going to lead away disciples after themselves, not sparing the flock. And I've warned you with tears. And this is what he says next. Now I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the saints. I love that. He didn't say, you guys going to come up with a plan to deal with these false prophets. He said, the word of God is going to be able to hand, take care of it. Know the word, check everything against the word, and you will be fine. Are there things happening right now on the globe that made a lot of people convinced that, man, we're in the last days, in the last of the last days? Yeah, but they didn't match up with scripture. Let's go back to COVID. Remember when COVID, I mean, doesn't the Bible say there's going to be pestilences in the last days? Didn't the Bible say that there's going to be diseases in the last days? Yeah. And there was COVID. And so many hundreds of thousands of people were dying because of COVID. And folks, listen, I'm not poo-pooing. You might have had loved ones and relatives who died because of COVID. And COVID wasn't fun. But listen to me. The percentage of people that died because of COVID across the globe was less than 1%. Yet the Bible says in the tribulation period, at certain points, a quarter of the population is going to die because of these things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, it was bad. Yes, it wasn't a lot of fun. Yes, the world decided this is a great opportunity to continue to try to move toward a one world government. All those things were all happening. But it wasn't the tribulation period. 
because it didn't match up with the whole of Scripture. Did it look like it? Sure. I even had pastors calling me. I've had pastors calling me and asking me, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? And I asked them, do you have a Bible at your house? The Bible's real clear that the mark of the beast is not going to happen until after the Antichrist comes on the scene and he declares himself to be God. There's going to be this false image that everybody's going to be forced to worship. And then you have to take the mark. You're not getting the mark because you got a vaccine. And actually, the mark is something you choose to take and you don't ha- it doesn't happen to you by being tricked. Read your Bibles. But again, because of that, too many Christians are getting sucked into all these conspiracy theories and stuff. And Paul says, don't let yourself be shaken in mind or troubled. If you're quickly unsettled because of stuff that's happening, I'm going to say it to you as lovingly as I can. You don't know the Bible well enough. The things that were written were written for our encouragement so that through the endurance of the scriptures, we might have hope. We're going to be all right. Will it be bumpy? Yes. Could we die between now and then? Definitely. Even earlier tonight, I already said that homosexuality is a sin. There may be a day when our government doesn't let me say that anymore. Well, if the Bible still says it, then we're still going to say it, and I may be put in prison. I'm not saying we won't have trouble between now and when God comes to get us, but it's not the day of the Lord. There's a difference. Paul goes on in verses 3 and 4, though, to show that the day of the Lord won't come without the Antichrist being involved and also the rebellion or apostasy that has been predicted as well. Go back to 2 Thessalonians, and I want you to look closely at how he describes these things. Look at verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come, the day of the Lord, unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Notice how he says, the rebellion. Has there been rebellion against God throughout the history of the world? Of course. Again, read your Bibles. The nation of Israel was brought out of Egypt. And that we weren't even barely in the wilderness and Moses disappeared for a few days and they decided to rebel against God and go back to worshiping the golden calf. There's been rebellion, but they're talking the rebellion, the apostasy and the man of lawlessness. Go to Matthew 24. Look at verses 10 through 13. Talking about the tribulation period again, what we know is the day of the Lord. In Matthew 24, verse 10, then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead, lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. Second Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, 
bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed they'll exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So let me ask you this quick question. Um, and I, don't turn from Second Peter to something here I want you to see. But has there been false teachers throughout history? Are there false teachers now? Definitely. Has the man of lawlessness come on the scene yet? No. There's a difference between the rebellion and the man of lawlessness. Oh, but look real quick at verses 4 and following here in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. If God didn't spare angels when they sinned, but he cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. <coughs> Excuse me. And if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual con conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. You see that? When his judgment came on the world in the flood, he took care of the righteous ones. When the judgment came on Sodom and Gomorrah, he took care of the righteous ones. In the same way, we're going to be taken care of and the judgment's going to come. Don't you think something needs to be done, Jim? Yeah, don't worry, God's going to do it. Why don't we see it now? Aren't you glad he's been patient with you? He's got others that he wants to come to know him. The spirit of Antichrist has always been around. But one day in the future, the Antichrist will come on the scene. Again, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. Listen again. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Go to 1 John chapter 2. Oh, and by the way, when he does declare himself to be God, a lot of people will... Well, at the time, most who live on the earth will worship him as such. 1 John 2, look at verses 18 and following. Children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it's the last hour. Now, they went out from us, but they weren't of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you, and if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will, be, will abide in the Son and in the Father, and this is the promise that He's made to us, eternal life. Now I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, 
just that it has taught you abide in him. So in this section, he's saying, look, there have been many false Christs, many antichrists. There's the whole spirit of antichrist is denying Jesus. But there's still going to be the antichrist, and he's going to come one day. Again, as you're going to see later on in our study of 2 Thessalonians, he won't be revealed until the church is removed. We're going to look at that later when we come back together and get into the rest of 2 Thessalonians 2. But he says that he won't be revealed until he who restrains is taken out of the way. And I'm going to show you from Scripture that that's the church. So don't even waste your time watching the news to try to figure out who, which world leader it might be. I've said this before, I'll say it again. You don't want to know who the Antichrist is. Because he won't be revealed until after we're gone. So if you know who he is, you're here. You don't want to know. So stop trying to figure out 666. Stop trying to figure out who it might be. Oh, it might be this guy over here in France. Or it might be this guy over here in Germany. And oh, he's got to be from here and all. Stop. We're not to be looking for the Antichrist. But the Spirit of God has taught us to be waiting for Jesus, looking for Him who's going to come and get us. Whether we're awake or asleep, we'll go be with Him. Go to Matthew 24. Jim, you keep going to Matthew 24 a lot. Yeah, because Matthew 24 is not written for the church. It's written about the Jews, especially, who are going to be going through the tribulation period. And Matthew 24 lays out the tribulation period. If you compare Matthew 24, verses 3 and following, with the book of Revelation and the opening of the seals, you're going to see the white horse, the Antichrist, first seal. You're going to see the wars, rumors of war, second seal. You're going to see the pestilences and death, third seal. You're going to just go right on, boom, boom, boom. You're going to see the midpoint of the tribulation period, which we're about to read about here. Look at verses 14, uh, sorry, chapter 24, verses 15 through 22. So when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. Didn't we already read in Isaiah that he's going to make man as scarce as fine gold? But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. He then goes on and he says, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. So if he says he's in the wilderness, don't go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For his lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Folks, let me say this to you real quick. When Jesus said here, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, I've heard too many people say, oh, that was fulfilled by Antiochus Epiphanes. Well, if you know anything about Antiochus Epiphanes, and he was actually prophesied about very clearly in, in the book of Daniel, Chapter 11, Antiochus Epiphanes came on the scene. He actually stepped into the temple, put an image of uh, Zeus and put his face on it, offered pigs on the altar and desecrated the temple, and declared himself to be God. And that's why people say, well, that's what Jesus was talking about. This is the abomination of desolation. It was already fulfilled by Antiochus Epiphanes. 
I can prove to you that that's not the case right here from this passage in Matthew 24. You know why? When Jesus said these words, when you see, as in future, the abomination of desolation, Antiochus Epiphanes had already happened 400 years prior. Antiochus Epiphanes had already been long dead and decayed when Jesus said, and when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the Daniel prophet. Jesus said that it was still to happen. Was Antiochus Epiphanes a type? Sure. Was he a picture? Of course. Was Hitler a type and a picture? Definitely. But were they the men of lawlessness? No. There's one of many that have come on the scene. But there's one coming, and the whole world will fall prey. We're not going to take the time because of time here. Daniel 8. Verse 19 and then 23 through 27 is a place. And then Daniel eleven thirty six 36 through 37. Write those down. Look at them later on. Daniel chapter 8. Actually, because of something in here, I think we got time. Go to Daniel 8. We got to do it. We got to do it. Daniel 8. Look at verse 19. This prophecy about this coming Antichrist. Daniel 8, verse 19. And he said, Behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. Look at verses 23 through 27. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when, their transgressors have when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. His power shall be great, but not by his own power. And he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does, and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. By his cunning he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall become great. Without warning he shall destroy many, and he shall even rise up against the prince of princes, and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. And then he says, the vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true, but seal up the vision refers to many days from now. Now look at verse 27. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. Jump over to chapter 11 now. Look at verses 36 and 37. Chapter 11, verses 36 and 37, talking. The previous verses have been talking about Antiochus Epiphanes. But now it jumps to the Antichrist. And the king shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak astonishing things against the God of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished for what is decreed shall be done. He shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the one beloved by women. He shall pay no attention, shall not pay attention to any other god for he shall magnify himself above all. Now, would you all not agree that Daniel saw some pretty bad stuff in his lifetime with Nebuchadnezzar and all that stuff? He, he was carried away captive as a young child from Jerusalem and Israel over to Babylon. He had been in the lion's den because of his worship of God. He had seen the, probably the fiery furnace with his buddies and Yet when Daniel is given a vision of what is still to come in the day of the Lord, the time of indignation, 
when the Antichrist comes on the scene, when the fourth, fourth beast, if you will, of the Ten Toes kingdom comes to fruition, which it's on its way. When Daniel, who had seen all this other stuff, saw that, he was overwhelmed. He was sick to his stomach. He had to just take a nap to even process it. It was depressing. Folks, please don't hear me wrong. Things are rough in this world, and they're going to get rougher. But we're not in the tribulation period. We're not in the day of the Lord. That's still to come. There's some things that kind of have to be put in motion to show us that we're in the day of the Lord. Has the big rebellion, apostasy happened? No. Look at us. We're still here. Oh, has there been a falling away a little by little? Sure. But you know what? The Lord knows those who are his. Not everybody that was of us really was of us. And there have been those who have went away. But the fact that they left, as we saw in 1 John chapter 2, shows they weren't ever really of us. But those of us who know, we have an anointing. And the Spirit of God will walk us through this, and we're going to be fine. That's why we need to encourage each other with these words. Folks, listen, we're a day closer to Jesus coming to get us. In March, I turned 59. Can't wait. I'm a weirdo. I love getting older. You know why? Because I'm a day closer to heaven, whether by death or whether by rapture. I'm a day closer to heaven. I jokingly tell my family all the time when they make fun of the fact that I like getting old. I say to them, I don't know if you know this or not, but heaven's real. Heaven's real. And I'm going there because of Jesus. Well, by the way, there's some days that I don't like what's going on around here. And I get a little fearful and I get a little worried. And my wife starts preaching to me some of my sermons. We need that, though. We need that. That's why we need each other. Let's encourage each other, whether we're awake or asleep. We're going to be with the Lord. I think we're going to be all right. Is it going to get tough? Yep. Could it be a little bumpy? Definitely. Is our government and our world and our country not going to look like it always did? Most likely. Judgment's already begun. But those of us who are his, we should be living with a peace and a joy and our eyes on the Lord. Until then, I'll see you next week. I love you.